ATM, which is so conveniently located right here at our church. And so getting ready for offering for camp. So, uh, Ezekiel, can you get that door for me and shut that real quick? All right, Gospel of John, chapter 4. I think it's good, just cathartic for a church to be like, where's the pastor? Every once in a while, it's good, I think. You know, hey, at least you know what it feels like to be in my shoes every once in a while. Ha. Hey, where's so-and-so? I don't know. Would you like it to be? Hey, just, pastor just decided not to come today, you know, but... Uh, anyways, good to be here with you guys. Uh, thankful to be in church this morning. And uh, I don't know, every once in a while I just kind of wake up with an overwhelming sense of, man, I could be doing anything with my life right now and I get to serve God. How awesome is that, right? Um, now, we're in John. We're going verse by verse in the Gospel of John. And there are all kinds of practical, spiritual uh, uh, lessons here, but also some doctrinal and prophetic things that are being said in this passage that are very easy to overlook. So we're going to take our time. Uh, anyone that knows me knows we're going to take our time. Amen? All right. It's uh, uh, me and Brother Elving. We're, we're like island time, man. We'll get there eventually, right? That's right. Uh, John chapter 4. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 23. But the hour cometh and now is... When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I think it's kind of a, an interesting thought that God's actually looking for certain people. Uh, I'm thankful he looks for sinners. Amen? Uh, we wouldn't be here without that. But he also looks for those that are going to truly worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, verse 24, God is a spirit. Now, I've mentioned this before. I'm not going to pull out the modern Bibles and all that. But many of them take out the... Uh, uh, the article there, A, that one letter word, A, makes a big difference. If you take it out, here's how it reads. God is spirit. So you know what that means? God could not be Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And God was manifest in the flesh. So uh, when people say, oh, it's just the these and the thous, don't believe that. It's not just the these and thous. Uh, and by changing one, a one letter word, think about this, guys. By changing a one-letter word, you change an entire doctrine in the Bible, all right? And so uh, leave it the way it is. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called, what's the next word there? We're going to take a little bit of time on that uh, uh, this morning. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Now, when she says he'll tell us all things, it's not... Uh, necessary that he would explain everything that's ever been asked for all of time. Uh, there's a context to this, and I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. Jesus saith unto her, I this speak. Not that he couldn't do it, he absolutely could. But there's a context to what she's talking about. Look at verse uh, 26. This is Jesus' response to her statement. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, last week we talked about how God, uh, uh, the way that he works with mankind is he doesn't reveal everything at one time. Number one, you can't handle it. Number two, you wouldn't remember it. And, and, and number three, I think your brain would explode, right? Uh, the reason God does, I, I remember talking to someone not that long ago, he said, it seems a little confusing to me that God worked kind of transitionally in the book of Acts. And I said, okay, so let's say that God has a hard stop like right here. And so people that, for example, have been doing the Old Testament law for 1,500 years uh, that have never heard anything else, all of a sudden, like, they're, they're completely out of the game. You know what God does? He slowly reveals things to the book of Acts so that he can bring everyone and coalesce people that want truth on the same message, right? Uh, so God does reveal things, not necessarily all at one time, but progressively to us. Uh, there are things that, look, uh, there are things that I would explain to an adult I wouldn't necessarily take time to teach in Sunday school to, uh, to, for the kids. Not because they're not worthy of it, but because maybe at first grade, uh, they may not completely understand you know, the, all the differences with dispensations. Now, should I, should I ease them into it? Sure. Do I need to break down for them you know, seven sevens and seven mysteries? And In first grade, maybe not. How about this one? Quit hitting your sister. Quit being a booger and, and, and learn to be a giver and don't be selfish. Let's start with that. We'll get them to seven sevens later, okay? Uh, so, so God reveals things progressively, uh, and we see that in this passage. Uh, look at verse 27. And upon this, this is when the disciples show up. <laughs> I love this. Uh, upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. <laughs> Yet no one had the guts to say, what are you doing? They're all, like, they're all thinking it. They're like, what's he doing talking to that woman? But, but I love that John records that they're all thinking it, but nobody says anything. Don't you like that? 
This, this is why the Bible is unlike any other religious book on the planet. It shows and reveals human nature like no other book does. Uh, look, look, if you would, at verse number 27. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Isn't it interesting that when you get a hold of Jesus Christ and you really get a hold of truth, the things that you used to hold on to that matter to you, they don't matter that much. She left her water pot. Some of you left another kind of pot a while ago. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> That's good too. All right. But uh, she left her water pot and went her way in the city and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the singing already and Lord, for the opportunity to do what we're doing this morning, Lord, to open up the word of life. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you know every heart. You know where everybody's at. You know what all the struggles are. Lord, you know what, uh, uh, Lord, where, where people are, are, are really uh, battling things at in their hearts and in their minds. And Lord, you can go to places that a, a mere mortal as myself cannot go. And I just pray, Lord, that you would please help me to be the vessel I need to be, Lord, for your people. Uh, Lord, so you can speak to everyone individually here today. Lord, we love you. We ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and understanding and interpretation as we go through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, now, let me just say this. In verse 23, he talks about the hour. Look at verse 23 again. But the hour cometh. The hour cometh. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, didn't, didn't God, if verse 24 is true, if verse 24 is true, uh, then doesn't it make sense um, that true worshipers have uh, always worshiped the Father and Spirit and the truth? It kind of does. But why does Jesus Christ emphasize the hour, the hour, the hour? Now, I thought about that, and I remember years ago reading through that, and I thought, well, that seems a little redundant to me. I mean, if he's a spirit, and he wants those that worship him in spirit and in truth, and those that truly worship are doing it in spirit and in truth, then why is he saying, well, in this hour, it's going to matter? Well, it's always mattered, I thought, right? Well, th- there's, there's a, a, a definite distinction here. Uh, look at John chapter number 2. John chapter 2. And we're going to find throughout the Gospel of John and uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ, three-and-a-half-year ministry. And I was just talking to Brother Tim about this before church. A lot of people get confused when you talk about the end times and, and prophecy and the tribulation and uh, the Daniel's week, the 70th week, versus uh, whether or not it's a seven-year tribulation uh, versus a three-and-a-half-year tri- Here's what I can tell you emphatically. Every time great tribulation is mentioned, it's three-and-a-half years. The real question people get hung up on, if, if I just lost you and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, we'll come right back to the message in a moment. Uh, the, the real question is whether or not half of that week has been taken up. Well, all right, so that sidebar, come back to that. But the ministry of Jesus Christ is three and a half years long. And in that ministry, he starts off uh, with a public miracle. The first public miracle is at, a, is at a wedding, right? So look at John chapter 2. First public miracle is at a wedding. But I want you to notice the way he responds to his mom. And I think it's, it's very telling. You're not going to manipulate God into doing things out of order. Just because you're in a rush doesn't mean that he is. And uh, sometimes like, all right, God, I need you to answer his prayer. And Lord, you know the timeline, which means it needs to happen right now. <laughs> and the Lord's like, he's just laughing. I'm sure he just sometimes looks down and goes, oh, my goodness. They have no idea. Uh, if I gave you everything you wanted when you wanted it, you'd be a complete mess. Uh, but look at uh, uh, Mary asks him. Uh, she doesn't have, look, look at verse number uh, two. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And uh, it, it's kind of like going to someone. You ever, you ever done that? I, I'll tell you what. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me for saying this, okay? But you're, you're good at doing this. Hey, honey, do you think the, the baby needs her diaper changed? I don't know. Do you think she needs her diaper changed? All right. Uh, hey, honey, would you like to take out the trash? No, I've never wanted to take out the trash. Right? But, but the, the question kind of implies a need, which means I need to fill that need. Does that make sense? So Mary goes to Jesus and goes, they have no wine. And his response in verse 4 is kind of telling. Now, we've been through this in chapter 2, but just as a recap, uh, he says this unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour, mine hour is what? It's not come yet, all right? So in other words, I I don't want to push the envelope. Uh, One time later on in the Gospel of John, I believe it is, uh, maybe chapter 6, I think, maybe, uh, it, it says that they desired to make him a king. So you know what he did? He left. Now, let me tell you right now, if I had enemies and they're trying to kill me and a bunch of group of people want to make me king, I'm like, sign me up for that. I'll take the kingdom right now. But he didn't do that. Why? It would have been out of order. There are some things, listen very carefully in your life, that God even may want for you, 
but the timing is off. And when you manipulate and you push and you force, uh, you're going to find out it just is not, it's not going to work the way it ought to. Um, look at uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. So he, he says, mine hour is not yet come. Um, and he talks about this hour repeatedly, I believe more so in the gospel of John than he does any other gospel. Now, you say, why would that be? Well, uh, keep your hand in John 12. Go to John 20. Go to John chapter 20. All right. You say, why would this show up more in the gospel of John than any other gospel? Uh, John chapter 20. And look, if you would, at verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. By the way, uh, when he says his disciples, he's not just referring to the 12 apostles. Uh, You've got several hundred of them. Uh, disciples that are following the Lord, which you say, why does that matter? You know the difference between the Bible and uh, uh, the Quran? The Quran is one guy getting a vision from some creepy angel thing, and he says it's Gabriel, but it's got different, you know, a number of wings. And, and, and I'm not trying to be mean when I say this. The guy couldn't read or write. And, and then the guy's going to you know, reveal to you some great truth from God. And oh, by the way, he's the only one that sees the vision. You've got to trust his word for it throughout the whole book. All right, you take Joseph Smith over there in the forest of upstate New York. You know what Joseph Smith has? He has a vision with an angel and tells him where these golden tablets are laid somewhere buried in the forest, and only him and the angel know about it, and only him and the angel see it, and then he writes about it, and you've got to take his word. This is a book written over several centuries uh, by 30-some authors uh, over three continents over thousands of years of time, and it all goes together. This is different, guys. And the reason I mentioned that he had more than just 12 is because I want you to understand several hundred people saw him after his resurrection. Uh, I was talking with someone about this recently. Um, over, uh, you can read the Antiquities of Josephus. Josephus is not a born-again Christian. Uh, he's a, a Jewish historian that writes about uh, uh, secular Jewish history and, and what goes on uh, uh, over several centu- centuries. And in there, I can't quote it exactly. I didn't, I didn't take the time to quote it. I can't quote all the verses I should in the Bible. I'm not going to quote that necessarily 100%. But in so many words, here's what he says. Uh, he says he talks about a man that was named uh, Jesus uh, who uh, claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah. We're going to look at that title in a moment. And uh, several of his followers, he mentioned several hundred of his followers, uh, saw him after his resurrection, after he'd been crucified. Now, there's a secular historian, because he's living around this time where people are talking about this, and he says, look, he didn't even say that he's a believer. He just says, look, this is what happened, and I'm telling you about it. You know what that is? History. Right. Kind of hard to argue with that, isn't it? So when, we say, when the, the Gospel of John says uh, his, uh, he did all these miracles in the presence of his disciples, it's not just the 12, several hundred of them, and look what it says, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So someone gets saved in our church, you say, what are you taking to? I, t- I tell them to start in the Gospel of John, because I want them to get reinforced in their understanding of who Jesus Christ is. I believe the reason why you read the phrase, the hour, the hour, the hour, is because it has, it has everything to do with the fact that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the Christ. There was a certain hour of anointing. There'd be a certain hour of suffering and an hour of glory as well. Now, when he says, my hour is not yet come, it's the revelation uh, uh, to mankind of who he is in, in full. That's why in chapter 4, it's so telling that she says, this is the Christ. Uh, look at John chapter 12. Go to John 12. Hopefully you kept your hand there, close by there. John chapter 12. Uh, Look, if you would, at verse number 23. Verse number 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come. Now, earlier he says, Mine hour is not yet come. Now he's saying, Guys, we're we're just about there. You say, Why? He's about to go to Jerusalem, and he knows he's about to be betrayed, and he knows he's about to be crucified. That's why in chapter 13, as they sit around at the Last Supper, everyone's going, uh, he's telling them that someone's going to betray me, and everyone's going, who's, who is it? Lord, is it me? Who is, who's who's going to do it? And, and John leans over and goes, Lord, who is it? And the Lord reveals to him, it's Judas. All right, so he's getting ready for this hour. We saw is it the hour of suffering. Uh, look at John 12, verse 27. He talks uh, to the Father, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from what? But for this cause as the Christ, the suffering servant, but for this cause came I unto what? So there's a timeline. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. 
Now you say, why is this important? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully sew this up here in just a moment, but I want you to see first off, over and over and over, he talks about the hour. John 16, verse number uh, 21. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow. It, the woman's travail is almost as bad as a man's cold. Can I get a witness? Oh, oh, I'm just kidding. We'll move on. All right. Because her hour, it, her hour is come. There's a certain time to deliver and it goes through that pain and that sorrow. All right. Now look down at verse number 32. He's talking about the fact there's going to be joy beyond the sorrow. Well, what does that line up with Hebrews chapter 12? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was sent before him endured. He didn't enjoy the cross. He endured the cross. All right. A woman doesn't go, yay, I can't wait for childbirth. Uh uh-uh, She's nervous. She can't wait to see the baby. You understand? And so he's relating it to that. Uh, look down at verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. Talking about the disciples. Every man who is owned shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Look at John 17, verse number 1. John 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. By the way, uh, John 13 through 17 is one, really just one event. And you're reading about all these things he's telling the disciples and even a conversation that Jesus has with the Father. And in that conversation is with the Father. This is the real Lord's Prayer, by the way, John 17. And in that conversation, he goes, the hour is come. You say, well, what, what, what is this hour? What does this matter? I believe what the Lord is doing is he's prophetically talking about an hour that would distinguish between old and new. Now consider this, Old Testament, they got physical sacrifices. Old Testament, physical priesthood. Old Testament, physical place of worship. You know what the argument is in John 4? You say to worship in, in this mountain, but we say to worship in this mountain. And the Lord's trying to go, you don't understand. We're, we're, we're getting away from this right here. How's he revealing that progressively? He, he's not telling her everything about the church and everything about the mysteries and all that kind of stuff. But he's telling her, hey, this is going to go away And you know what's going to be replacing it? A new covenant, a new testament. And according to the author of Hebrews, it is a better one than the old one. You ought to say amen to that. Because if it wasn't, you know, you'd be stuck with over here, having to have your sins covered over and over and over. And I'm glad Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for sins once and for all. All right. And so we're on this side. So on this side, it's now look. Now, I I think there's there's something to be said that we live in a weird time. Uh, you know, 50 years ago, uh, if someone said amen too loud, someone might go, shh, you're in church, right? Certain churches anyways, maybe that still goes on, I don't know. But the point is, uh, you know, the way that people looked at church is so different 50 years ago than now. Why am I mentioning this? Because I want to I wanna balance out the statement that I'm going to make, and the statement is this, it is no longer so much about the place that you worship in. Does that mean that children should run around through the service? No. Does it mean that, you know, 50 times while the preaching's going on, someone gets up to get coffee? Absolutely not. Have some respect for the Word of God. Amen. Not the building, but the book. There's a difference. Amen. And the God of that book. All right? But, but as it relates to worship, understand this, as it relates to coming to God, it is no longer by physical means, but rather, that's why he tells them, look, uh, if they don't worship me, the stones would cry out. And you know what he tells them? Listen, you think you're saved because you're children of Abraham? Now, look, from an Old Testament perspective, you know what the answer would be? Yes, because I'm keeping the law like you said we should, right? I'm following the commandments. Uh, Those that say there's no distinction between here and here, come on, let's be honest for a second. Uh, Brother Eric, if a guy walked up to you and said, I'm doing the best I can, I'm going to church, I'm trying to raise my kids according to God's standards, we've all been baptized, and you ask the man, have you been born again? He says no. You'd say he's lost, right? Now, what if that guy told you, I've kept all the commandments from my youth? You'd still say he's lost, right? But, but then, would you respond with, you know what? If you want to inherit eternal life, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. No, you wouldn't. You absolutely wouldn't. He's like, no, but I know Jesus said that. You're putting me in a tough spot, Pastor. All right. Well, he did say that. He did say that. You say, why? Because the Lord was still under the Old Testament law, and he was dealing, listen to me very carefully, not with just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law as well. Because even though the Old Testament law was based off of physical sacrifice, physical this and that, there was still an element of worship that had to go back to the Father, and God is a spirit. 
And so the Lord deals with that, but he doesn't break the law in order to do that, and the message doesn't change. If someone walked up to me today and said, uh, 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 Pastor, should I sell everything I have and give it to the poor to inherit eternal life? I would say, absolutely not. Why? Because something has happened since the last time someone said that. The ultimate sacrifice that would pay for all of our sins, that's exactly why in the New Testament we die, we go right into the presence of God. To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. They didn't have that. They went into Abraham's bosom in the heart of the earth. Guys, it is different. And so what the Lord is doing is he's saying, look, I'm trying to get you to understand. It's not about the place of worship. It's so much more deep and intimate. Now, when we went through worship last Sunday, I'm not going to belabor all those points. uh, But I will say this. Understand, I'll just make this statement. Worship is not confined to Sunday morning at 11 a.m. All right, worship is 24-7 wherever you're at. You're at home and you have a disagreement with your spouse. I know none of you would ever have that. I know you don't, you don't ever argue. We just have, uh, we just have uh, passionate discussions, all right? Well, well, let me ask you, are you doing it in a, man of, in a manner of worship? Are you, are you doing it in spirit and in truth? Now you go, well, pastor, come on, come on. I mean, lighten up. Well, let me ask you, where do you think it matters? Where do you think God cares about it? Do you think he cares about it when you walk through that door? Or do you think he cares about every aspect of your life? And, and, and if you're supposed to be a walking tabernacle, which is what you are, you're called a vessel, uh, an earthen vessel, a tabernacle, a temple. Everywhere you go, you carry the, dare I say, the Shekinah glory with you, right? You carry the Lord's presence with you everywhere that you go. So the question is this. The question is, is he getting worship from you outside of church? Uh, when you're around, now look, I know, I know the, I know the hot button issues. I've been doing this for a little bit. I know what they are. You know what's right. You try to teach your kids what's right, and then you get around family. I know the issues, and all of a sudden, worship goes out the window. Whether family, let me tell you something. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I didn't say you can't be saved, but you won't be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so uh, the Lord's dealing with some issues here that this lady is kind of a little uncomfortable with because she's going, wait, this is the way we've always done it. Well, sometimes you need to allow the Lord to come into your space and shake up the way that you've been doing it. All right? And that does not mean uh, by any way, shape, or form. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about allowing the Lord to look a little bit deeper than on the surface and, and the Lord to say, hey, it's not just about the outward. It's about the inside. You know, you know what I think the scariest thing in the world is? I think the scariest thing in the world is for people that are raised in church just to get used to the ritual. And you walk in here and you're bitter. And you're frustrated. And you're angry. Maybe, you know, someone that you're expecting to be here isn't here. Or something happened. I don't know. Someone said something about the way you looked. Or someone said you look tired. Or, you know, someone just asked you how you were doing. You ever just wake up and someone asked you how you're doing? Fine. Right, I can tell by your response you're not fine. And, and you come in here, and, and, and it's, like, it's like, all right, God, fix me. And uh, let me just say this. There'd be a lot less fixing and a lot more enjoying if you just worshiped all week long. Uh, look, look, look down, if you would, at uh, verse number, oh, let's see here, uh, 25. Uh, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. John chapter 4, sorry, go back to John 4. Forgive me. I should have mentioned that. I was ahead of you, and I didn't tell you. John chapter 4, verse number 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming. They're looking for him. Uh, and by the way, she's a, a Samaritan, and she's still looking for him. All right? Uh, that, 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 that's, that's a very telling statement as well. Which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Now, that all things, you know what that is? Look at Revelation chapter 19. Hold your hand there. Revelation 19. He will tell us all things. Revelation chapter 19. Now, it's real funny. I, I think this is interesting. Um, I, I'm going to be real careful. I don't think there's anything wrong. Our messages go on YouTube, and, and I don't think YouTube is all bad. There's great stuff on there. But I will tell you, and I know I've said this recently. I'm going to say it again, though. Some of you would much rather learn about the, the doctrine of the deeps or the great tribulation and stuff that you're not going to even be here for, which you should learn about and we do teach about. But... I would say some of you are almost more interested in these prophetic things about the future that have nothing to do with your life right now. You know what's interesting to me? When Jesus had to prove that he was the Messiah, he doesn't talk about the end times with this woman. He goes, you got five husbands. 
you know what we want? God, tell me about how messed up the world is. Lord, tell me about the trans and the queers and this and that. And tell me about the drugs and tell me about how bad society. Lord, tell me all about that. And the Lord's like, well, we can deal with that, but what does that have to do with you? So, and again, I'm not saying don't learn about it. We go through it. We teach it. And I've I've flirted with the idea of teaching in Revelation. I'm not quite sure that's what God wants. But if we get there, there's nothing wrong with it. You you need to learn that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you find yourself overly interested in things that are out there and you get a little uncomfortable when it gets close to home, you need to check that. Because God, be, the Lord ought to be able to walk in any room in your, in your house, spiritually speaking, and go, what about this? Uh, look at Revelation chapter 19, Revelation 19, and uh, he will tell us all things. What's he talking about? Look at verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. Uh, this is uh, John falling down at the feet of uh, uh, what, what may be, uh, I don't know, possibly Daniel. And he said unto me, See thou do it now, for I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren and have the testimony of Jesus. Uh, worship God. In other words, don't worship me. Don't fall before me. Uh, in the morning service, we're going to talk about a woman that touched the Lord and then she fell down before him. That's the right response when you meet the Lord. Uh, but not with people, right? So, so anyways, uh, look at the end of this verse. For the testimony of Jesus is what? You know what makes him different? Uh, what makes him different, what makes this book different, is that he'll, he'll tell you the future before it happens. Uh, and so when she says the Messiah is coming and he'll teach us, he'll tell us all things, that's what she's referring to. Because from the Old Testament, it's made known that when he shows up, he's going to be the one that would reveal all things. Uh, all right, so go back to John chapter 4, John 4, and uh, notice uh, the word uh, uh, Christ, and you're going to see it in verse 25, and then you're going to see it again in verse number uh, 29. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ, right? So uh, I'm sorry, this is probably not too clear for those who are in the far back. I apologize, doing the best we can. Uh, but um, there's, there's just not enough, I don't know, there's not enough time and space to give you guys everything. That's all I can say. I try to get in the PowerPoint, I go, oh, that, I, didn't left, I didn't put that in there, let me put it on the board. And it's like, that's too small. So uh, listen, if you can't see it, uh, live by faith and know that it's there, right? Uh, so... Uh, you got, uh, through the Gospel of John, he says this over and over, mine hours not yet come, then the hours come the, over here at the end. John 17, the hours come. The hour what? To be glorified. Well, all through there, even going back to John chapter 1, there's a timetable that God has. All right? Um, now, know this, the word Christ, now, I didn't, uh, you're not going to get a, a lot of Greek here, guys, but I want you to know that we, we do understand how, to, I, I understand how to read Greek and I can write it. Uh, so that just means Christ's name. Now, if you were to transliterate that, it would just be like this. It'd be Christos, right? All right, so, so in English, we say Christ. Now, his, his name, believe on the, uh, Acts uh, 16.31, believe on the what? Lord Jesus Christ, all right? All right, let me show you this. Things, these things break down in threes all the time, just like body, soul, and spirit. You say, how is that? I'm not saying Jesus is all these things, but what I'm trying to show you is he is, in fact, God. He is, in fact, human. And he is, in fact, the anointed one of God. All right. And that's that's important to note that he's the Lord's Christ. Uh, And so she's saying, hey, we know that when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And and again, in verse 29, uh, let me show you the Christ. All right. So uh, look, if you would, at John chapter one real quickly, John one and Matthew number three, John one and Matthew three. So uh, know this, that uh, whether you are a prophet, a priest or a king, uh, those are the three offices in the Old Testament uh, that would commence. They would commence their office with an anointing. There would be an elder of some kind, maybe the former prophet or the former king, uh, and they would come and they would anoint the next prophet, the next priest, the next king. Uh, you see that with Aaron and his sons when they go up and they strip him of his robes and they pass it on to, to, uh, to his Eliezer. Am I getting this right? Eliezer, all right. And so you see this in the Old Testament over and over and over. So what happens if Jesus Christ is, in fact, prophet, priest, and king, and he is that prophet that should come that's talked about in, in Deuteronomy uh, and mentioned again in John, and he is, in fact, our high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, and he is, in fact, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Revelation 19, and he is all those things. Uh, then he would have to begin his public ministry. And again, keep in mind, it's a three and a half year ministry. 
All right? Can you imagine? Think about this, guys. This man in three and a half years changed the world. Right. I, I can't change the world in 42. He's, uh, he's, he's got three and a half years and turns the whole thing upside down. That, we're not like him. <laughs> we're not like him. So three and a half years, all right, Jesus Christ's ministry lasts. Well, what's the beginning of that ministry? Look at John chapter 1, and then we'll look at Matthew chapter 3 as well. John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1. And uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, Look at verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the what? Descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Spirit. Ghost. Look down if, uh, back to Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew 3. So he's got a three and a half year ministry. Well, what ends that ministry? Well, the death, burial, and resurrection is what kind of caps the ministry off. Well, what begins it? Uh, you say, well, it's uh, the miracle at the wedding. Not exactly. Not from the Lord's perspective. Uh, that's why I believe that Jesus Christ said what he said. My hour is not yet come. Look at Matthew 3 and uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 16. And Jesus, when he was what? Yeah. Went up straightway out of the water. And uh, again, I don't think this is new for you guys, but that's why we baptize by immersion and we don't do it by sprinkling. All right, people in the Bible, they go in the water and they come out of the water. So he comes straightway up out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And so, you know what you have here at the commencement of the ministry of Jesus Christ? You have the activity of the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God moving down, all right? And you also have the voice of the Father speaking from heaven, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So you know who you have there? You got the whole, you got the whole audience, man. You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit right there going, this is Him. And you say, what, what actually is the, anoint, the anointing? If you understand the Old Testament, and you'll see this over and over and over, um, running out of room here. Uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of references, even some parables in the New Testament. Uh, oil, listen to me very carefully. Oil is not the Holy Spirit, okay? But it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. I don't worry while you're walking out of here going, Pastor said my French fries are holy, you know? Uh, uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you know what happens? Uh, you would see that somebody gets crowned king and they get anointed. Remember over there, uh, look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me show you what I mean for those that maybe haven't read through their Bible yet. Uh, and I want to encourage you to do that. It's a great thing to do. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And uh, Samuel is mourning. Because uh, God has rejected Saul from being king, and Saul is a great picture of the old man, the first king on the throne, the flesh. And God says, nah, he's just not going to listen. I need one that's going to follow me. And uh, David's a picture of the new man, a picture of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 16, and uh, look at verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are, all thy cho- are here all thy children? And he said... <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like saying these are the ones that I think would be prospects. They're here, right? There is this one, but I'm guessing he's not the one you'd want to anoint. And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel, now think about this. You know what Jesse, the father of David, did? He did what most of us do. The the Lord shows up and says, I want to see all your sons. Okay, here they are. Well, where's the other? Is there one missing? Yeah, but you wouldn't want him. That's the one the Lord wants. The Lord does that with us all the time. Well, show me what's going on in your life. Well, here it is. And the Lord's like, are you sure that's everything? Well, there is this one thing. Yeah, that's the one I want. Uh, so, so look at what happens, though. It's interesting. Uh, verse number uh, 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. I like that. <laughs> Preacher goes, I'm not even. That shows you he was not a Baptist pastor. He was not interested in food. <laughs> he wanted God's will to be done first. Look at verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise. And what are the next two words? Then Samuel, look at verse 13, took the horn of oil, 
Horn's a picture of power in the Old Testament. The horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord, look at that. Look at that. So Paul, in the New Testament, you kind of have a different situation. It's not so much, you know, physically taking oil on a preacher when they're called into the ministry. But Paul talks about the laying on of the gifts from the hands, uh, of, the, of the hands of the presbytery, the elders, the leaders in the church, laying their hands on someone and saying, we're ordaining you to start your ministry. All right. And so it, it's something that has a long tradition from the Old Testament carried into the new. But but looking specifically kind of under the microscope at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, I would say the beginning of that ministry is at his baptism over here in John chapter one. All right. You say, why? Because that's when he's anointed to carry forth the ministry that God the Father had sent him for to do. So in other words, uh, whenever it comes to the name Christ, understand it's very closely associated. Look at Luke chapter number one, Luke chapter one. Very, very, or Luke chapter two, I'm sorry, uh, very closely associated with God's anointing of God's man. And in this case, uh, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Look at uh, Luke chapter number two, Luke chapter number two. Now, there would be a lot of false Christs, and there are those false Christs uh, at work in the world today. Uh, but, uh, and they've, they've been around for a long time. They were around in Jesus' day as well. He talks about that. But look at Luke chapter 2, and look at verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, which would come to their Messiah. Uh, and in their minds, they were expecting all of that to take place in their lifetime. Now, it didn't happen that way. We understand that. But notice this. The Holy Ghost was upon him, talking about Simeon. And it was revealed unto him. If you're going to get anything revealed to you today, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit of God. It won't be the preacher, and it won't be your intellect. It won't be mine. It'll be because God says, hey, this is what's right for you. Uh, and look what, it, look what happens here. It was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the what? All right. So you know what, what uh, Lord apostrophe S is there? It's possessive. All right, it's the Lord's Christ. It's also kind of like an adjectival phrase. It's describing which Christ. It's God's Christ. It's the Lord's Christ. It's the right Christ, not the Antichrist or a false Christ. So the reason he says the Lord's Christ, because there are a lot of Christs in the world. They're just not all his. The, uh, there's only one of his, all right? And it's his only begotten son, all right? Now, by the way, go to John 3. I know we went through this before, but I kind of feel obligated to mention this again. John chapter 3, look at verse number 16. John 3, verse 16. I know we went through this not that long ago. Uh, maybe six months ago now, as slow as we're going through the gospel. Uh, but look at John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Is that what it says? You know why? You're a son. Once you're saved... All right, and, and so it's his only begotten son, the only one that was born in the flesh as God with the right nature. All right, we don't have that when we're born. Uh, and so the idea is this. He is the Lord's Christ, the anointed of God. All right, uh, look at uh, John chapter 4, John chapter 4. And look, if you would, at verse number, uh, let's get down here to verse number uh, 31. So we're kind of taking a, a turn here. It's been a conversation between him and this woman, him and this woman, him and this woman. And in verse number 30, she leaves and uh, she goes uh, uh, out of the city. Uh, look at verse 29, sorry. Uh, and sa says to the men in the city, come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city, the men, and came unto him. Now, uh, there's a lot, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, before I get into the next thought, uh, a couple things I'll, I'll point out. Uh, one is this. Young ladies, it is a good thing to, to make your friends young ladies and not just guys. Uh, if you know anything about who this woman is and where her life was at, you'd understand that uh, part of the problem was she was always seeking attention from men. And she was always seeking it from men because there was a void in her own life, Right? Um, and so the Lord obviously feels that so much so she forgets about her water pot. But these men, they come out. And by the way, this, what happens in verse 31 is kind of like uh, in the meantime, like parenthetically, while she's going and getting these men and they're coming back, here's what takes place. Verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. 
But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And let me tell you right now, even in the original Greek, that is not impossible meat. That's not veggie lab-based meat stuff, okay? I want to make that very clear. That's not what he's talking about. He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples, now I love this. They don't get it. Remember the time they're in the boat ride and the Lord's like, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. He's like, uh, who didn't bring bread? And, and he's like, you guys don't get it. Oftentimes he talks about spiritual things and refers to them in the physical. And more times than not, the disciples, the ones that are the closest to him, don't get it. And if we're honest about it, guys, sometimes as close as we want to be to the Lord, we just don't always get it. And the Lord uses physical circumstances in our life to try to awaken us to spiritual things, and we don't always get it. And so they weren't getting it. Uh, notice in verse 33, Therefore said the disciples one to another, not to him. <laughs> they don't want to ask him. Because by asking him, you know what this would show? This would prove that they didn't understand what he's talking about. And who wants to admit that? Right? And so they're talking among themselves. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Jesus, I think Jesus overheard them. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And you know what it shows us? It shows us that while the Lord was confined to a human body, he did not let his humanity dictate what was right. He had a higher value system than just what the flesh could offer. Uh, now, look at Deuteronomy chapter 20. I do want to show you something real quickly from the Old Testament, and that is this. Uh, the word meat in the Bible is not always used the way that we use it. Sorry, Steon. I know it's going to bother you. Uh, this man, Steon loves, I don't know if I've ever met a man that loves meat as much as Steon does. Maybe my dad, you and my dad would be real close ties. Uh, my dad eats chicken. I mean, the marrow in the bone. I mean, he just eats it. I remember as a kid thinking, this is disgusting. He'd eat gizzards. Anybody ever had gizzards before? Now, I know some of you from the South, like, we fried them. You can fry anything, it tastes good, all right? But, but like, my dad would eat the boiled gizzard. I'm talking, I mean, oh, just to me, the smell of a gizzard. Anybody know what the smell of a gizzard? Oh, man. I know I'm probably offending somebody. I'm sorry. If you like gizzards, God bless you. Uh, I've got some chickens at my house, and I can tell you this much. When we get through with them, you can have the gizzards. I won't want them. Uh, but uh, but the, 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 the point here is this. In the Old Testament, the word meat, and throughout the Bible, is not always a reference to just uh, carne, the, the flesh, uh, th- that kind of meat, like cow and, and pig and, and chicken. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, and look, if you would, at verse number 20. The word meat is oftentimes just a synonymous word for food. It, it's, it's like the way that we use the word food today, or a grub, almost, if you will. Deuteronomy 20, look at verse 20. Only the trees which thou knowest, that they be not trees for what? Does meat grow on trees? Unless Bill Gates gets it, it doesn't. <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe he can, I don't know. But the rest of us, the answer is no. All right? Meat does not grow on... So what is he talking about? It's about food. All right, the, the, the way that the Bible uses, your King James Bible uses the word meat is not always a reference to, to, uh, to cow and, and chicken and all that, but, but, but rather just food itself. Sometimes it's fruit and vegetables, all right? That they be not trees for meat, thou shalt not destroy and cut them down, so on and so forth. All right, so uh, talking about how you go into the city and, and don't destroy certain trees. If, if they're for food, leave them up, all that kind of stuff. All right, go back to uh, Luke chapter 4, Luke 4. I, I, know, I, I know we were in John 4, but go to Luke 4. I believe the reason Jesus Christ was able to withstand the temptation that came his way, and by the way, you're going to have temptations in your life as well. And the only way you can pass them up and the only way you can resist those temptations is to be able to get on a different value system. And what I mean by that is, in so many words, you, you come to a place where the most important thing in your life is not just what you can a- acquire for the flesh. It's not just the job. It's not just the money. It's not just the, the popularity. It's not just what's convenient for your life right now. Let me, let me say this right now. You're here for a blip on the radar. L- let me remind you, like this is, <laughs> this is all of eternity, all right? Let's just, just call this blank space eternity, okay? And, and this is you. Now, you know how we look at our lives? It's all right here. No, look at the, the bills and the sickness and the money and the job and this and that. And it's, the Lord's like, well, that's only there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I believe in taking care of yourself, but I know some people that take three hours to get ready in the morning and take five minutes in their Bible. Which one? Why are you guys laughing? You know you're picking on the ladies right now. That's what's going on right now. 
I know. Don't you laugh, gentlemen. You'll sit down for three hours and watch a football game. Grown men in tights. Catching a ball. Ah! And you read for a while for five minutes. Oh. You know what the problem is? You don't have the right value system. Uh, it's all about feeding the flesh and the carnal nature and what's here right now. And it's, temp- it's temporary, though. Uh, the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And so, basically, uh, if you think about the, 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 just the series of life, uh, every day, you know what you're facing? You're facing temptation every day. Now, it's not always a temptation for lust, and it's not always a temptation for, you know, uh, I got to do drugs or something. It's not always an addiction. It might be in some cases, but I think for some of you, it's simply holding your mouth. I want to say something right now. I'm going to let them have it. And the Lord says, nope, let's not do that right now. Um, Jesus Christ is being tempted of the devil. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And I, let me tell you something. You're not going to pass the test if you're not, and I'm not talking charismatic anointed or anything like that. I don't mean speaking in tongues, and we've taught about this before. I don't say that offensively. I say that having grown up in a home where my mom, look, my mom loved me and gave me uh, John 3.16 and gave me a foundation of believing God and having faith. I wasn't saved whenever, you know, until I was a little bit older. My mom gave me that foundation, even though she wasn't right doctrinally. Some of you guys need to chill out and quit beating people up because they don't see everything that you see and they haven't been taught everything you've been taught. Uh, my mom laid that foundation, having not known how to write a divider Bible or all the rest of it. But I, I know this much. Jesus loves me this, I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, but I did grow up in a charismatic church for about four years of my life when I was real little. And I remember the people standing up and speaking in tongues and all that. I don't say, if, if it wasn't for that church, I wouldn't have known the love of God. I know some of you are having a hard time right now. Wait, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm not saying throw doctrine out the window, but I'm saying re- respect what you get out of a situation and what God gives you out of a situation. I, I learned to do that. H- having said that, when I say anointing, I don't mean, you know, uh, we came over here and, and Joe lays his hands on Gideon and Gideon starts rolling around the ground. I could see him doing that, but he starts rolling around the ground and, blah, blah, you know, and, and that kind of thing. That's not, when we say anointed of the Lord, we mean that God's hand is on you and that you're submitted to the Spirit of God. It has less to do with signs and more to do with submission. The S word that nobody likes to hear. Uh, look at, uh, listen, Jesus Christ resisted. You go, what's oh, the word of God? It is written, it is written. Yeah, 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 but why, why could he say that? You know what the answer is? Look at verse 1. He wasn't full of himself. Luke 4, verse 1. What was he full of? You want to resist temptation? Submit to the Spirit of God in the little things. And, uh, and, and get a different value system about your life. Know that what, what matters to you so much today. Now, we all, have, we all have things we have to do. Getting ready to ship off another one of our kids to college, to Bible college. A lot of logistics involved. Last night I was up getting a U-Haul, you know, four by eight thing. And, you know, to throw all the stuff <laughs> in the back of the U-Haul to help her start her new life, you know, there in Idaho. But it's like, it's, these, are, these are things of life. I, it, it, we're not saying here that we're all floating on cloud nine and, you know, we don't, we don't do anything in the physical world. No, no, we're here, but we're not of here. You're in it, but you're not of it. And uh, you know what the Lord's trying to say? I have meat to eat that you know not of. I am, I'm, I'm following the Spirit of God. And yeah, my belly's grumbling, but my belly's going to grumble again. And I'm going to feed it again. Then it's going to grumble again. I'm going to feed it again. But I may only have this opportunity to deal with this woman one time. You know what that is? It's a different value system. I'm going to tell on myself. I was getting ready for, uh, actually trying to get ready for Sunday on Friday. And someone came to the house and spiritually I was not prepared. Uh, I would have liked to tell you I could have led her to Christ. I didn't, I didn't take advantage. I talked to her, and it was good conversation, but I wasn't spiritually in the right place. You know why? Because God's, uh, don't you know I'm busy? Well, hold on. God may throw an interruption there for a reason. The Lord does that for a reason. Do you know what the disciples are doing? They're looking at this woman like an interruption. Why is the Lord even talking to her? And he's looking at them going, you guys, look, you keep on eating your Chick-fil-A. I'm worried about her. <laughs> it was Chick-fil-A. You know it was, right? Thank you. Sanctified chicken, right? Go, go back to John chapter number 4. Actually, go to Matthew 6. Sorry, Matthew 6. I want to go through that verse too. And we'll, we'll go ahead and stop here because we're getting out of time. Matthew 6. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Matthew chapter 6. Look, if you would, at verse number 25. 24, sorry. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
You might say, well, that's a little strong language there, preacher. Well, he's right when he says that. It is strong language, but it is true language. Uh, he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, mammon's connected to, to this, the world system. It's connected to riches, and it's, it's uh, called filthy lucre. It doesn't mean that money's bad. It just means if you are just so connected to this world, we're going to talk about this in, in just a little bit in the morning service, you, you need to reach out and touch, touch, out, touch the Lord. You need to get a different touch in your life because what you're touching is what you're connected to. And, and he's saying, look, you can't be so connected to this and serve me. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Don't take this the wrong way, but uh, there's nothing. Now, don't, don't walk out of here. And pastor said, you know, I, I shouldn't meal plan because meal planning is not a faith. I didn't say that. Some of you need to spend more time meal planning so you don't eat five bags of Cheetos at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with meal planning. But let me say this. Some of you have meal plans. You have vacation plans. You have retirement plans. You have no spiritual goals. You just go through the Christian life hoping something happens. And let me tell you something. You know what the problem is? The meat that you're eating of isn't the right kind. John chapter 4, and we'll close. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I wish I could spend more time talking about just knowing when God's hand is on something. You ever been in a service where it's just like, man, it's electric. The Lord's moving. Let me tell you, there's two things that will get you real inspired to preach if you're a preacher. Bad preaching. And good preaching, amen? Uh, look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, look if you would at verse number 34. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Is that your meat? Is that what you're consuming? Is that what drives you? Is that what you put first? Uh, maybe spend less time, you know, telling God what you want him to give you and more time seeking what you should be seeking. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish. Look at that. Uh, we're trying real hard with our, our kids, the older ones and the younger ones, um, to, especially the boys, may, just because they're young men in the making, to teach them when you start something, finish it. You know how many Christians quit? Now, we're looking for a building and we're running out of space, but I can tell you this right now. If every Christian that ever came to church that left the wrong way was still here, uh, we probably would have already been in a different building. You know what the problem is? They're not there to finish the work. Uh, there's a work God's given you to do, and in order to finish it, you have to have the right mindset. You have to change your value system and say, it's not all about what's going on right now. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Maybe next time you skip a meal and you're trying to do something for the Lord and someone goes, don't you need to eat? Man, I'm going to eat again, and my stomach's going to grumble again, and I'm going to eat again, but I may not ever get a chance to do this again. And then let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your book. Thank you, Lord, for the Gospel of John. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, move to the morning service as well. I pray that the next few minutes would be a good time of uh, refreshment, but also of, of fellowship between your people. And Lord, I do pray if anyone comes here today that isn't saved, uh, Lord, I, 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 I am scared, Lord, to ever uh, get to a place where we say these words and we're not really thinking about it. Lord, if you're gracious enough to bring people here that, that need you as their Savior, Lord, would you, would you help us to be vessels, Lord, meet for the Master's use? And Lord, I pray that you would move in the service to come. Thank you so much for what you've taught us already. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there.